Thank you, orchestra. That was beautiful. I am going to be the one to welcome you today. <laughs> welcome, everybody, to worship at First EC, and welcome to those on Zoom. And we, um, if you've heard the song that the orchestra played, it's surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it's taken from Genesis 28, verse 16, which says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. The Lord is here today. Be not unaware. And welcome. We have a few announcements. We're going to go through the week. <laughs> Tonight there will be no Bible study. Um, and on Tuesday we will, there will be no coffee shop theology. Pastor Charles will be back on, for Wednesday. On Tuesday, don't forget to vote. Primary elections are Tuesday. And also, the softball team, the Wildcats, after two weeks of play and four games, are undefeated. <laughs> we want to keep that up. <laughs> Tuesday, there, um, there's a game, and um, that is with, at Campbelltown Field with Encounter 2. We played Encounter 1 at our last game. On Thursday has another game at um, Community Bible Field with a new team, LCBC. And Friday, see, I wore my shirt. We're getting ready for the clothing giveaway, which comes on Saturday. So um, there's been a lot of clothing contributed, and we really appreciate that. And we got a sign-up sheet out there for people that are willing to help and come in this week. All this week, there are time slots to come in and um, organize it, get things set up. It's called the Freebies clothing giveaway and there's still time to sign up if you haven't and then there are other there are other summer opportunities for service children's Sunday school needs teachers in the two classes and you can see Amy or Amanda about that and there are several opportunities to serve. Um, additionally, at the LCCM noon luncheon for the three months, um, June, July, and August, there are three separate days that the um, SOS team has reserved for us. Stepping out in service, is that right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, 
I think there are some additional time slots because they, on the days that were selected, there would be a team, um, people needed for setup and people needed for cleanup. So there are lots of opportunities there. Even for people that can't stand very long, you can do it sitting down, which I was glad to hear. And you can see Brenda, Donna, Janice, Dawn, or Joanne, if you have any questions about that. And now, let's stand for our call to worship and our music um, before they start. is a corporate prayer based on the Lord's Prayer where it says, May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we just want to join in prayer today together. Our Father, we pray that you will build your kingdom here. We pray your kingdom right here in our hearts, in our church, in our nation, in the world, on your earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Good morning. Everybody ready? I think I'm ready. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil while we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom. Your kingdom here 
that have joined the group here. They've filled in quite nicely and are doing a great job. So thank you for that. That's a praise. All right. Howie. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great 
Good morning. Surprise. But we've come to this time of prayer, and uh, do we have any prayer requests this morning? Stepson. Oh, there we go. His stepson, um, there's an 11-year-old boy named Bentley who had a heart transplant last week. Um, so he is still in Philadelphia, and there's been some complications, but just asking for prayer for, again, Bentley, he's 11, and their family. Is there any others? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, wait, we got one behind. We got one back there. Okay. From Zoom, uh, Jim Rothline says, praises for a good book launch yesterday, and also prayers for him that he's taking a writing test of application process for a potential freelance gig. Yeah. So he uh, prayers and praises from, from Jim Rothline. And also, Jean Leitner asked if I would share that her nephew was taken to the hospital hmm. over the weekend. Um, his name is Michael Williams, and he's having some autoimmune problems. So prayers that they get to the bottom and can get him all fixed up and ready to go back to school for the rest of the year. All right. Oh, we got another one. <clears throat> This is from Amanda Wagner. Uh, for Dawn Brownson, she's been having severe pain in her neck and has a lump that showed on a scan. They're checking her thyroid, doing an ultrasound tomorrow. She needs some relief from the pain and hopefully answers to her questions. All right. Well, let us go to the Lord to pr in prayer. 
Well, gracious Father, I thank you, Lord, for, for another day that you've given us. And I thank you, Lord, that we're able to gather together as the community of your body. Lord, we, you've heard our prayers this morning, and I lift up all those who are, who are suffering and for their illnesses, for, uh, for a little boy with a heart transplant. For, uh, for those that are suffering from uh, conditions that, that they don't know, uh, know why, I ask, Lord, for your wisdom upon uh, the doctors and nurses providing for their care. But we also acknowledge, Lord, that your hand is far greater than any human hand. And so we ask for your intervention in the name of your Son to provide them the healing that they need. We ask, Lord, for your wisdom upon those that are, that are, that are needing it uh, in these days ahead, that you grant, that you grant them all guidance and, and courage. And I pray this all in the name of him who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And please rise for our hymn.
And you have someone that doesn't come up here normally, right? Oh, yeah, you're supposed to be sitting through this one. I said, how many, how often do I sit here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, oops. Mia culpa. I would feel bad, but I'm not going to very much on that one. Anyway. Well, today's text uh, is coming from John chapter 13. And normally when I'm preaching, uh, especially if I'm doing it at the VA, I usually preach through the books of the Bible, but... I'm going to fall down over the, on this thing. Anyway, uh, one of the things I normally do is that I go into veterans' homes throughout the week, and I do the lectionary readings, right? And this week's lectionary reading, still in, we're like the fifth, fifth Sunday of Easter, was this text, and, you know, and having, having told this to uh, numerous vets during the course of the week, and it just, and this is one of my, kind of my, one of my favorite themes that, uh, uh, that we get from Jesus, and so I just decided I wanted to share it with you guys this morning. So John chapter 13, uh, 31 through 35. And when Jesus, or when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another." Well, as the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, repote, wrote the words that are commonly used to introduce communion, this was on the night that Jesus was, was betrayed. And, and at the beginning it said when he had gone out, that was Judas going to earn his 30 pieces of silver. And it was the testimony that left to us by the Apostle John on that very night that Judas, again known as a betrayer, had left their company, uh, and he had... Uh, you know, and in this moment, this was setting up the, you know, the glorification of God. And this was the glorification of God that we found on Easter, you know, on Easter right? The, through Good Friday and on to his resurrection. But in this moment, Jesus is attempting to explain to his disciples what to expect and how to react after his departure. And he gives them a new commandment. He tells his disciples, and not only the 12, right? The 12 are the apostles, right? The closest to him, but also all the other disciples that were following around Jesus. And by extension, us. If we say we follow Christ, then we need to be what? His disciples, right? That we are to love one another as he has loved us. And considering that Jesus really hasn't given us a whole lot of commandments. I mean, there was, you know, I was kind of looking it up, and you know, he really has never said, you know, well, you got to do this. This is one of the only times where he goes, I give you a new commandment. I mean, he instituted communion, sure. I mean, that is absolutely necessary. These other, you know, the other examples he's given us. But this is the, one of the few times he goes, I'm telling you what you need to do. A new commandment I give you. He goes, I am giving you a command, not a suggestion, not a good idea. Well, that seems like a great idea. No, he's saying that if you're going to follow me, this is what you're going to do. If you're going to call yourself a disciple, then you need to be doing it. But what does it mean? What does it mean to love one another as Jesus has loved us? What does it mean, especially in this day and age, in this society, in this culture that we live in? Well, initially, we need to understand then how Jesus, how God has loved us first. I mean, every time I think about it, I mean, really, you really think about it. 
you know, how much, how much God does love us. I mean, why would he even do such a thing? You look at the, you look at the bulk of human history, right? Throughout the, you know, throughout the Bible, look from the Old Testament into the New. Look at, look at our human history, our, our history books. I mean, from the very first moments, you know, of, you know, especially the church's history, what, you know, what was the first thing that the first man did? He defied God. You know, it's to the first murder where Cain slew Abel. I mean, we've been on a downward trajectory ever since. I mean, for me, I mean, I enjoy history. I enjoy ancient history. I've read the likes of Tacitus. I've read Caesar. I've read Polybius. I've read Josephus. And you're going, who are these people? I mean, they're authors of, you know, like 3,000, 2,000 years ago. But the one thing I've learned through all those reading is that, you know what, diff- you know what separates us between, you know, Old Testament folks and us right now? We got better toys. That's about it. People are about as awful as they've always been 2,000, 3,000 years ago. There is no difference between who we are today and who they were 3,000 years ago. There is no difference. I mean, and yet, and yet you think about that, and God still loves us. I mean, that's kind of like you know, the psalmist going, you know, who am I that you love me? What is man that you love us so much? Just baffling. We're really not good people. We're not really, really all that nice, and yet he still—I mean, he still loves us. I mean, you know, I think one of the greatest miracles, really, in, in, in life, is that God continues to let us live. I mean, you think about it from the very beginning. I mean, you know, sure, he went through and he got rid of you know, got rid of everybody except Noah, and Noah wasn't really a, that great of a guy either. I mean, look at his family; they were a hot mess. But he lets us live. Why would you do that? He loves us that much. And yet, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I mean, look at the character of Jesus and the many stories that surrounded him. I mean, especially you had that moment where 10 lepers come up to him, right? And they're going, what? Help us. Heal me. And what did Jesus do? He gave them a test, right? Made sure that they, had, they, you know, they believed the right things, had the right polity, right? No. He healed them all. And only one comes back and worships God. But that was the character of Jesus, right? He's like, you know what? I'll take care of you. What do you need? I mean, what's the, it was the man at the, uh, at the sheep gate, right? Where the, you know, the pool that bubbled up and he was waiting to cry and get in the water. He was sat, you know, sat there crippled for, you know, for years upon years trying to get in the water. And Jesus comes up to him and goes, what do you want? What do you want? And that's what he's asking us. I mean, he doesn't ask them to first believe. He doesn't make sure that they're living lives according to some, some you know, doctrine statement, right? He healed them all. He shows us truly what agape love is. Love that is not reciprocal. It is love that doesn't expect anything in return. 
This is the kind of love that, you know, that God is showing us, that Jesus is showing us. You know, he knows that we're not going to be able to return it properly, so he shows us love anyway. I mean, he shows us, he shows us mercy. He shows us forgiveness, and we have done nothing to earn it. We are broken people, and he loves us. We deserve condemnation and destruction, and yet he wants to save us. I mean, on occasion, I've heard folks say to the effect, well, I'll, I'll, I'll follow Jesus or I'll, I'll become a Christian when I become good enough. I, I, I need to turn my life around before I can become a Christian. But here's the thing. I'm not good enough for that, and neither are you. Neither are they. Ain't no one good enough. No one can turn their lives around good enough to become a Christian. It's not possible. But that was the reason why Jesus came. was the very reason why he came onto this earth. That was the very point, because we aren't good enough. But Jesus, though, does give us command. He gives us a command so that we can attempt to honor the sacrifice that he has given for us. And the commandment he gave to his disciples that night is in line with the greatest commandment ever, right? What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. She'll love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> the greatest commandment begins with an action, and it ends with an action. You see, love, what is love, right? It's that warm feeling, right? Oh, I'm alive. That's a consequence. Love is something you do. Love is an action. Love is something that you do for someone else. <clears throat> it's a behavior. And again, as I, you know, I was talking about you know, earlier, you know, I'm not sure if you all entirely know what I fully do, right? You know, I'm Chaplain Chris, right? I'm, I work for the, you know, the Veterans Affairs Administration. My primary, you know, I'm also an Army chaplain too. But I, my, my primary duties is, is uh, called home-based primary care. <clears throat> and I'm going into veterans' homes. Uh, these guys are ones that, uh, for whatever reason, are no longer able to get into their churches. Either they have moved, you know, they've moved to you know, be closer to family and their church community is gone. Their church community is now, you know, has got to the point that they're not being visited anymore. Shame on us. You know, you know, having, you know having our shut-ins not being visited. But you know what? I'm a Christian pastor, I'll do it, right? But anyway, these guys, are, these guys, some of these guys have seen things that, it'd curl your toes. I'm taking care of, you know, I've taken care of World War II vets, Korean War vets, Vietnam vets. <coughs> and some of these guys are going, how can God love me for what I've done? How can God love me, you know, love me for the things I've had to do in the act of war? And in these, in these men's lives, men and women's lives, one of the things I try to do, my biggest goal, I mean, I do go in there, I do a field service. It's the same, it's the same you know, army service I've done off the back of a Humvee, out in the middle of desert, out in the middle of the woods. It's the same service. I provide them communion. But my biggest goal is more than that. <clears throat> it is to get them to fall in love with the God that I know. Because I have seen their lives change. I have seen, especially one Vietnam vet, who has gone from like just this ball of anxiety 
to you know, just a state of peace because he has fallen in love with God. It was more than just going to church. It was more than just saying the right things. It was more than just being Christian, whatever that means. It was falling in love with God. And he lives his life in amazement that this God of all creation would come to this earth and die for him. Not because of anything that he has ever done. In fact, you know, Jesus came and died because of what he had done so that he could be forgiven. Knowing that, that, you know, that, that Jesus is giving him now a pass to a new heaven, a new earth, that he gets to forego judgment because God has taken that judgment to the cross. <coughs> this anxiety, this fear begins to wash away and, truly, and forgiveness truly enters into his, into his life. A life truly changed, not because he has changed his life, because God has changed his life from the inside out. And knowing all this, I mean, it does make me distressed that what's going on in our country, going on in our country today, what's going on in the world today, right? Our lawmakers, our courts. But changing our laws isn't going to do anything more than create more hostility and resentment. We, as the church, let's be honest, how well are we doing? Yeah, it's an indictment. It's an indictment against me too. We're not doing so well either. What hearts have been changed? How many have we gotten to fall in love with the God that we serve? Laws cannot change sin. Only the love of God can starve Sin can starve our sinful desires. Thus, returning to what Jesus had commanded us, then to love one another as he has loved us. He has loved us even though that we don't deserve it. He loves us because we don't deserve it. He loves us, he desires us to love him, and he calls us to do the same to those around us. For the second commandment is like the first, right? And is the commandment that Jesus has given us in, the, you know, in that night. Or in other words, to love our neighbors as Jesus has loved us. Let me say that again. Jesus wants to love our neighbors as he loved us. We are to love the sinner. We are to love those that don't love God. We are to love those who hate us. We are to love our enemies. In the same way that God has loved us first. <clears throat> the early Christians were able to change the world. A world that was hostile to the point of murder to the new Christian community. And they had brought an end to much of the ugliness in the ancient world. Ugliness that seems to be having a renaissance in today's world. I mean, as the author of Ecclesiastes wrote, right? There is nothing new under the sun. Driving back that darkness was not due to changed laws. It was not due to conquest or warfare. It was due to Christians willing, down to, willing to lay down their own lives to the, you know, for those around them. 
You know, it's interesting when I'm especially dealing with army vets, right? They're wanting to, you know, do this whole sheepdog thing. They want to sit there and get, you know, get angry. They want to go out there and pull the trigger. They want to sit there and, and kill for God. Stop. The early Christians were willing to die, not kill. To heal, not harm. To suffer instead of cause discomfort to someone else. It was a willingness to demonstrate God's love to those around them. It was the same love that God has shown them. They were willing to show the world around them. It was getting their neighbor to fall in love with the God that has loved them first. And my faith, you know, and I, and I consider my faith in God to be very, very orthodox, a little low orthodox, right? And I'm not really a fan of the word conservative, because what does that mean? But again, that's what I could be described to as a day, but... I also meet a lot of people in my day-to-day duties. There's some that, who believe like I do, love God like I do, but I want you to understand they are the exception, not the rule. Most of the people I meet in the hospital, I mean, with the home-based folks, they're all there because they want me there. If I'm on the floors, most of the people I meet don't know the God I know. They do not love the God I love. I mean, there are some of them, they are so far away from God that their lives are so dark that they don't even believe the light exists. And my heart breaks for them. I mean, I know platitudes, browbeating them with a Bible bat. What good is that going to do? It will only drive them deeper into the darkness. But I know that the God, that God desires to love them and to receive their love as well. This is what God wants. So my only goal then is to show them the same kind of mercy and compassion that God has shown me first. It's in this way that I may shine the light of God. I mean, this is what he's commanded us to do. What are we supposed to be as the church? The light. Whose light? God's light, right? That will allow God to change their lives from the inside out. My responsibility is not to change their lives. It's God's responsibility. But the only way they're going to fall in love with that God is for me to participate in the mission of Jesus to show his love and his light, the same kind of love and the same kind of light. And by this, following his commandment to love one another, to love my neighbor as he has loved me first. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice that you have given to us. I thank you, Lord, that you have looked upon us and said that you loved us anyway. Help us, Lord, to enter into this world, to be your light and to your love, and to get those that we meet to love you. And this I pray in your most wonderful name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So reflection time, right? Hearing all that I've, you know, now that I've made you suffer me, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. 
And who's God's representative in the hospital? Us. How do we show God that we love them? Go visiting them. Good. What else? Right. And they didn't, it wasn't seen as, oh, they're just helping their own club out. And there was a book written by a professor from the University of New Mexico that talked about the Old West. They said it wasn't the gunslingers that saved the Old West. It was the churches because they provided employment, uh, clearing houses for the cowboys. They dried them out when they were drunk and did things like this. Exactly. You know that you know where you know how does the how does the church change the world by showing God's love? Yes. I'm talking pre, pre-Constantine, right? Has the church been making a muck of things too? Yeah, right? But we can look back at the early church, the very early church, those that followed the way, and they were willing to die. I mean, there's an interesting, you know, I could, I could wax poetic on that. There was a, an interesting you know, monk who would you know, help stop the uh, gladiatorial fights in Rome by saying in Jesus' name, stop, and being struck down by a gladiator and dying there on the, on the floor of the Colosseum. And everyone lost their stomach for gladiatorial sports. This is the kind of love we're supposed to show, right? How do we live your... And this is in, in my, my challenge to you guys as you leave this place. How am I going to show Jesus' love to those that don't deserve it? Because Jesus has loved me and I don't deserve it. It's an amazing thing, though, isn't it? That God of all creation would love us. Amen.
And let us close in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word and spirit, through which we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. May those who confess your name today never cease to wonder at what you've done for them. Help them continually to firmly in the faith to bear witness to your love and let the Holy Spirit shape their lives. Take them, good shepherd, into your care that they may loyally endure opposition they may face as they serve you. And may we, with all your children, live together in the joy and the power of your Holy Spirit. And may the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, keep your heart and mind in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.